Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a better time to find out why BetMGM is the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app and place a $10 Moneyline wager on any NBA playoff game. If either team hits a three-pointer in the game, you'll win $200 in free bets. Just use code CHAMPION200 when you make your first bet. Sign up now and discover BetMGM's daily promotions, boosted odds specials, and more. Download the app or go to BetMGM.com and use code CHAMPION200 to win $200 in free bets if either team hits a three in any NBA playoff game. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Virginia only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-888-532-3500. Did you know that my brain develops the most from the day I was born until I turned five? For millions of children living in under-resourced communities, this critical time to build a strong foundation for learning is at risk. Start Early expands access to quality early learning to help parents and children like me. Learn all about Start Early and the work they do by visiting startearly.org podcast. Wrestling Radio. We are live right here on c2cradioshow.com, spreaker.com slash corner to corner, and all points in between. And like Brian likes to remind us, you can catch up with us on Apple iTunes Podcast, Google Play, Spotify. We're even we're even available on Audible and Amazon.com. You can find us everywhere. No, seriously, you can find us everywhere. Like a bad pet, you just keep turning up. I'm Stan Grubb, joined by my tag team partner. Brian Taylor is here. What's up? What's up? Rob Hefner is here. That's what I hear. <laughs> Which means the triple threat is complete again. Wow. Another week, another list of people getting fired. This is becoming a really bad, bad habit. Somebody posted a list of all of the people that were fired from 2020 to 2021, and uh, it read well over 50 different names. 12 people fired during Friday Night SmackDown alone from NXT. And the going story is, we were talking about it just before we came on the air tonight, the going story is that NXT is to be rebranded or repositioned, so to speak, as a developmental brand. Here's the thing, and and we're going to go around the horn on this with you with looking at what wwe has done so far 
all of the cuts, all of the releases. Let's not forget that they, I mean, we, we had a guy like Anthony Henry, better known as, uh, well, Asher Hale, better known as Anthony Henry, who was only recently brought on in January. In August, he's fired. Bronson Reed, uh, Leon Ruff, Bobby Fish, all three former NXT champions, two NXT uh, North American champions, one NXT tag championship. So the question remains, with all of these people getting let go and seemingly no end in sight to these releases, Brian, we'll start with you because I think you had a pretty compelling statement. I mean, first off, NXT rebranded to a developmental. Is that a big shift? Um, so I never really considered it a third brand. I, I mean, outside of a developmental brand. Okay. Honestly, you don't you don't treat them like they deserve to be there. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at what you did to the champion. What, three weeks ago? Four weeks ago? Mm-hmm. You brought him up. You totally embarrassed him. Send him back down. And you bring him up, and he loses a second to somebody he faces in NXT, mm-hmm. which should then technically give him, you would think, a title shot, right? Right. But no, we do it the next weekend. Of course, you win. Right. So your NXT champ is batting 66, which is a little, a little bit above average but it's a lot below average as far as like uh you know if this was a school grade i'm pretty sure it'd be an f i mean until you treat them like uh they're an actual third brand i didn't think of them anything but a developmental brand because that's where everybody goes anyway i mean it's it's one of those times where the conference call where they say, yeah, NXT is, is another third brand. It's, it's a major show. It's a major roster. We don't look at it like getting a call up. We look at it as a lateral shift. So Rob Bryan says, no, it's always been developmental. That's how they treat their people. What do you got to say about that? I mean, it's always been looked at as developmental. I mean, I think us as fans, us as fans have seen the value in NXT and seen the value in the wrestlers that go through NXT because, I mean, don't forget that just recently you think about it like, I mean, Brian kind of mentioned Cross, you know, he is the NXT champ, but now he's on Raw, you know, like the Viking Raiders. How many names did they have after they went up, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not like. They tried last year. They tipped their toe in it with getting making Charlotte Flair the NXT Women's Champion, of making them equal. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I think it's a direct result in Vince and those around Vince letting Triple H know where his place is. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Because I feel like Triple H and... It's the fans. Like, us fans have made NXT better, the better brand than what the main roster is. Mm-hmm. Because we still consider, like, we, you know, just what I just said, you know, NXT main roster. Like, we always have said that, you know. So, um, it's the fans who have, like, we've liked what NXT has produced over the years and hoping that it would extend to the main roster. 
But until that, you know, vice grip of control is released, I think it's just a power play, honestly. I think it's a power play from Vince and those around Vince to give one more shot across the bow to Triple H saying, we're really in charge. Well, I mean, there's a, there's a lot to be said for that. When you look at Triple H and how he was able to put together NXT – when basically Vince told him, yeah, sure, do whatever you want with it, at a time where NXT was hardly considered relevant, much less viable. He puts the performance center together. He starts hiring off former (coughs) Impact and Ring of Honor talent, starts bringing in the right people, starts bringing in the right talent coaches, and suddenly we've got takeover moments like we had with Sami Zayn and uh, and Cesaro, where they gave him the Fight Forever chance. We get moments in tag teams like uh, Enzo and Cass, which say what you want about both guys in their main roster run, but when they were on NXT, they were the most over tag team that they, that was on the brand. They get moved up to Monday Night Raw, and had it been done correctly, they would have had a, a, a large, substantial celebrity-type run with the amount of charisma that they were drawing from the crowd. I mean, we've talked about it multiple times. The whole crowd, when they came out, knew and said every bit of their intro. You know, everything from you can't teach that to, you know, soft, the whole nine yards. So it it makes sense that, that we as fans have been put in a position where we've said, yeah, NXT is the better brand because they're just putting on better programs. It's a curious question, though. I mean, Rob, you mentioned that, is this a way of Vince kind of putting putting Triple H back down and saying, you know, you guys got a little too big for your britches? I mean, I wonder about that. I wonder if there's really some feel of that. Brian, is it, did it ever strike you as that was a possible opinion? Uh, sorry, I missed that. I was reading something on NXT. So... Rob had mentioned that maybe this was Vince's way of kind of telling Triple H he's a little too big for his britches. Do you think that that was really a thing? Uh, I mean, it just so happens that I'm looking glossing over an article. Mm-hmm. Um, HBK and Triple H had nothing to do with the releases. Yep. Vince, Bruce, and John Laronitis said they wanted younger and bigger talent. No more midgets, according according to this. Um, I mean, I I'm sure it was all Vince, but I mean, who knows the reason behind a maniacal maniac? I mean, if you look in the last couple of years, you know, how many stars have we had that have like? I mean, look at Adam Cole. All right. Probably argue, say what you want. Probably one of the most relevant stars in wrestling today. Mm -hmm. When he arrived in NXT and he became NXT champ, and then everybody's like, oh, well, he's going to go to the main roster. It was right around that that people were like, you know what? Going to the main roster ain't all it's cracked up to be. Maybe I should just stay right here, Mm -hmm. you know? You know, and because, you know, someone like Adam Cole would have definitely gone to the main roster because it was he came in right about the same time they're doing Daniel Bryan and Seth Rollins. And so. Now, the question is, 
kind of going off what Brian says, totally change the subject because I got, you know, I got problems. Vince don't want to midget, so that means Seth Rollins is gone? That's, you know, that's a good point. Um, as we as we talk right now, by the way, Karrion Cross is going up against Jeff Hardy for the second time. Just want to point that out. Have 50-50 booking shows. We could be looking at another loss for Karrion Cross. Uh, Adam Cole, he's five foot ten, I think, and I might be giving him an inch there, being generous. Seth Rollins, uh, I want to say, is six foot, but Vince is pretty much in love with the six foot four guy. He wants him six foot four and muscular, three hundred thirty pounds. He wants the days of Hulkamania back. Um, and I just don't see it ever happening. Plus, with the with the big guys that are in the industry right now, they're much more mobile, much more agile, and they really don't want to be limited by scripted sessions. I mean, the most talented big man in, in the sport today, I would say, would have to be a cross between maybe you know Brian Cage, um, and even he's kind of short if you really consider it. Uh, Carrying Cross, I think, would qualify in that. Keith Lee, um, Lance Archer. Oh, I know. I know somebody. Go for it. Braun Strowman would have been perfect for that. but And they fired him. Yeah, gone. So, I mean, See, that's what this... tells me. Yeah. That's what tells me that creative, to a point, is not involved in the whole releases. That it's people in the office in Stanford that are looking at just names and numbers. Mm-hmm. And, you know... Be what it may, because you can't tell me that creative is going to sit there and say, "All right, let's get rid of Ma- let's get rid of Alistair Black, and we're going to get rid of Braun Strowman, but we're going to keep Apollo Crews, and you know, like, and we're going to keep these other people. It's like you, you know, like if you're going to cut people, then you cut the ones you don't use." You know, but that's why I just feel like it's 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 an example of a company just like we said last week, WCW, when they got so big that one hand didn't know what the other one was doing. It begs the question of what happens next. I mean, <laughs> you've tried the the feeder. But Triple H gets released. That's what I think. I don't know. <laughs> that would... Honestly, at this state, I don't know if anything could surprise me anymore. <laughs> I mean, short of Roman Reigns getting fired, and, well, he's apparently the perfect size, the perfect height, <laughs> the perfect prototype. But I, I don't see anything really happening with maybe four guys. But, I mean, how many, how many times can you do the same rematches? How many times can you keep going back and forth? Well, I mean, that's the thing we've said for years with wrestling. It's just, it seems like it's the same, you know. It's just, we, we're seeing the same matches over and over again. And, you know, it's kind of like what we said when you go to when you go to live events and then you turn around and you go to a SmackDown or something, you're like, wait a minute. This is the live event just with commercials. I mean, there was a period of time where where Raw was significantly worse than any other show on 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 TV, and Wait. SmackDown was 
What's up? Did you say there was a time? Or like right now? Yeah. Hear me out. Let me let me finish. Just just humor me for another few seconds. So there was a time where SmackDown was the primary brand. Like that was the standout. Then as as Roman's reign would continue to grow, I was trying not to put a pun in there, but as that continued to, to grow in, in length and longevity, what we've noticed here is that SmackDown has fallen just as far, if not further. Now, granted, they're still faring a little bit better in the ratings. I believe they're still doing just over a 2.0, which by comparison for even four years ago is still not great. But it's clear that now... All sides, including NXT, because I've, I've been keeping up as of late, and all sides are just not hitting on all cylinders. And it is now a question of not what's happening next, it's just which which show will fall apart further is really the key. Well, I mean, John Cena's comments were right on. WWE is banking, and they have been banking on age talent to get the point across and... It's, they can't do it. Instead of developing the ones that they have and using the talent they have, they keep bringing in people for one-offs or two-offs or whatever. And they need to start. I mean, we're, we're, it's, it, if you take away Goldberg, all right, take Goldberg out of that slot and put Hulk Hogan in that slot. Is it anything different than what we saw in the 80s and 90s? Yes. You know? It's a whole lot worse. Well, I mean, I, mean, I, I think in the, yeah, I think in the eighties, you know, like the 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 Sunday night program heat or whatever would have had more excitement than the main talent now. I mean, looking at Raw, everything reads as basically rinse and repeat. Oh, well, Matt, Matt Riddle lost last week, so guess what? Matt Riddle's going to fight this week, and he's going to win. Same thing for uh, the Viking Raiders against uh, AJ and Amos, and then Karrion Cross and either Keith Lee or Jeff Hardy. You just rinse and repeat, mix one with the other, and apparently it becomes fresh. I just don't see it. I don't see any freshness out of it, and, and I don't think anybody else does either. I don't think there's anybody now deluded enough to say, oh, WWE's going to bounce back. It, it, it now becomes the question of how much further down can they go until finally someone just says, no, no, no. It's it's time to pull a plug. Well, nobody will ever pull the plug. I think it's because it's publicly he, traded and still turning a profit? No. Uh, I mean, he's spread over different, different things. Right. Right? So all he really has to do is keep one of them afloat. Mm-hmm. And he's good. Right then, you have to out. Then the 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 company, the other company, has to look at. Well, is he still making me profit? And if I take him off the TV, what can I put in his place to make me that kind of money? Mm-hmm. They can take Matt Riddle off. I wouldn't miss nothing. Well, I mean, so I told you years ago, right? This could happen, right? And now you're kind of seeing, yeah, it could happen. So, if it keeps falling, it'll be sold first. And then the next company will be the one that runs it into the ground because the hole will already have been dug and they're standing in it. They just don't realize it. Mm-hmm. 
that's why I've always been a holdout saying that Vince would not sell. Vince would not sell. But I would truly believe that he would sell before he gives it to Triple H. And the way oh, it looks yeah. is the people that are the, – the stooges he has in charge now are just cutting the, the fat, trimming the fat. But then you think about it. The thing that I kept thinking about, yes, it sucks for all those names and all those people to get released. But just imagine how many people – Two years ago, or even a year ago, how many people the WWE had under contract at one time? Well, let's. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. I, I don't know the complete roster list right now, but I can tell you that looking at the two lists from the 2020 releases to the 2021 release, 2021, Jesus, 2021 releases. Um, it's over 50 people. That's 50 people gone on top of the uh, 18, 20 people on each roster right now. And NXT, I don't know how many. Well, so that's huge. That's a lot of people. So last year, I think it was 52. I think we've already hit that number this year. So, you know, in like a year and a half, they've trimmed 100 people. Right. And we've had this discussion mm-hmm. about the roster size itself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this, this it's truly amazing that people don't understand that he wasn't doing it, right, to, to put these talents on TV. He was doing it to keep these talents away from other people. And now you now you got now you're you got caught because now someone like Khan, who's you know, apparently making the decisions or has has a voice in him, is like we don't need this guy, get rid of him. And sometimes you know the ones you don't want to get rid of are cut, but a lot of these the cousin of the other Khan. <laughs> the cons trickery. took down Vince. <laughs> trickery. Twin magic. Twin magic. Hey, man. Hey, cuz. Could you hook me up with Aleister Black? Hold on. Gosh. Hey, well, I mean, but, and the sad thing is we live in a, a world where that's that's actually feasible. <laughs> so, but, I mean, Khan, I, I don't know who he answers to or who, who sent him in there, but th- I think this guy – you know, again, he's either preparing for the sale or he finally, there's somebody, you know, that can counteract Vince and be like, Vince, look at the money you're wasting. Mm-hmm. These people are not on TV. Get rid of them. And now, Vince apparently has no choice. Now, granted, from 2016 to 2020, the amount of releases comparatively that we normally saw post-WrestleMania every year um, was drastically reduced. I think along the way we would see a total each year of maybe 10 releases. Mm-hmm. And now time, you see that every other month. Right. And now the whole time, I mean, they, they are compiling this list of talents. And, and now there's reports even of, well, if we don't have anything to do with them, we'll just, and this is a direct quote from a report I read this morning, we'll park them on NXT to give them something to do. I mean, imagine if you're EC3. Now, granted, he's he's managed to bounce back. None of these people are destitute, so let's not, you know, paint too tragic of a picture. But if it, if I'm like a guy like EC3 and I and I read that, Woo-hoo. 
I would be furious to know that I was just parked somewhere because they didn't know what to do with me. And then I would be kicking myself a little bit for ultimately signing that contract. Yeah, but if you don't... Go ahead, Rob. No, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, if you don't think these people aren't smart enough to know that they're just being put somewhere and held... Right. I mean, you're, you're, you're absolutely crazy. I mean, there are people... I'll lay money. There are people that are constantly, you know, friends that are constantly talking to these people. And that's why so many people are asking for to get out, mm-hmm. you know, because they understand that theory. I, oh, great. I'm, I'm getting a paycheck, but I don't want to just get a paycheck. I want to apply my craft. Right. <clears throat> you know what I'm saying? And, and wrestling, the, you know, the wrestlers we've met and talked to, they're they're very like, I mean, there's a lot of pride in these people. And, you know, that's why they'll go to the bingo halls for 25 bucks a night and they'll still put on a five star show Mm -hmm. because wrestling is what they want to do. And, you know, all these talents that are just getting tucked away and hidden, they're smart enough to know, well, I was brought here for a reason and now I'm just being put in the closet for a reason. But eventually, you know, I'm going to get away from here. And, you know, I'll, I'll go apply my craft somewhere else. I mean, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. It's like, that's what I was going to say. I mean, I was going to say like, you know, like, like the NFL, you know, the window of being a prime athlete in your, like a all-star athlete in your prime, the window is very small. You know, we're talking years and if you think of wrestlers who are relevant and stay relevant and stay on top of the game and everything, you got to think some wrestlers, you know, it's kind of like you look at baseball players. Mm-hmm. Some guys will get signed by big, big league teams, but spend the whole time in the minors, you know, and by the time they get a chance to get called up, it's already passed them by. So you think about it like WWE signs them on, puts them in NXT, keeps them in NXT. These people just sit there, okay, all right. Because for years, sitting in developmental at WWE was the best option, you know? Um, But then the prevalence of the indie circuit, local circuit, kind of showed these guys, you know what? Just sitting here waiting for Vince and the, the creative to get their head out of their ass and figure out what to do with me. You know, I don't have to wait for them. You know, I can go, I can go make my own thing and do my own thing and actually make myself relevant. And I think that's what you're seeing is that's why I think you see a lot more stars today asking for their release. And before Vince gets, you know, before they get it, you know, because they're like, you know what? I got, I got six years that I'll be able to do this. And be relevant. I better I better just head out now. You know, go do my thing so I can go make a name for myself somewhere. So. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot that can be said for, hey, you know, it's time to make a moment for yourself, get yourself paid, so to speak, which I still think is part of the reason that, like, the Good Brothers went to WWE for when they did. 
because it was, you know, there was a lot of promises made, a lot of, yeah, yeah, if you come and do this, we'll make sure this, this, and this happens. And then, of course, those promises don't get kept, and you end up having to go and apply your craft somewhere else. Guys like them, they tend to, they tend to do okay. They, they survived, you know what I mean? But then you get Well, they were made like, people before they went there, too, you very know? true. Exactly, exactly. And then you look at guys like, well, let's look at a guy like Mojo Rowley. Mojo's obviously not going to be making uh, main event WrestleMania money anytime soon. Not to say that he won't eventually parlay this into something else, but he's a guy that they did have opportunity with. And to your point, Rob, you have a very small window of time to capitalize on that opportunity. And once that window closes, it's done. You don't get it back. There's no, unless a you... Go ahead. No, I was going to say, unless you drastically reinvent yourself or change who you are, mm-hmm. it's done. I mean, you can't... You see how many people go from one... How many people have gone from WWE to Impact just to have the same crap happen to them? Right. You know, or they go from Impact to WWE, you know, to have the same crap happen to them. You know, it's like they have a they have a flash of greatness and then they're the person standing on the ramp with their gear on applauding to everybody while everybody else works. I mean, what, what, what drives me nuts is when you see a guy like Eric Young, who was a bona fide star in Impact. He did a, tre- a tremendous job just turning his career around from the, the comedic performance that he did. I mean, who, who didn't enjoy Super Eric? I think we all did. But when he changed that into the, the serious, I mean, just psychopath almost, who was Eric Young when he finally became the champion, it was a major stride. He right. gets signed, and sanity is created, and we're like, "Wow, this is this is pretty cool." They're actually putting something something interesting together, and literally months go by, and nothing gets done. Then we go a little further, and still nothing's getting done, and you start to realize, "Man, this guy's just—they just—they missed their window." You know, I mean, you look at Bobby Roode. Yeah, I mean, Bobby Roode in in, in TNA mm-hmm. was a made man. You know, he was the man. Right. And it was usually between him and, you know, and his former tag team partner in one of my favorite tag teams of all time, Beer Money. You know, and then he comes to WWE, he comes to NXT, he becomes, you know, glorious, mm-hmm. you know, which I thought was a great gimmick and, and character. And then they, he's the champ. You parlay it onto the main roster, and he rises as high as the what U.S. title, the IC title, mm-hmm. and now he's parlayed into tag team wrestling with Dolph Ziggler. I mean, it's like you have these people. Like Eric Young is a great example. I loved him in Impact, and then his craziness that he did, you know. Mm-hmm. But here we go. It's just they hit that, and then all of a sudden they, they get no traction because the same crap that we've been thrown at the last years is getting thrown at us, and we're like, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's just it becomes all the more glaring of a reason why you see guys like um, – and, and I'm not talking main event guys right this moment, but when you see a guy like um, the, the two guys that just debuted on Dynamite this past week at Homecoming – ever rise these guys were are young enough to where they still have that window open but they were put they were called up to raw 
they were going to be managed by MVP. That got buried. They get sent back down to NXT. They were going to be paired with uh, Robert Stone. That got buried. So they had multiple ups and downs, and then finally they get moved over, and we get to see them not only keep that window open, but these are two guys that were more than capable of being themselves. I think we would all agree that Sean Spears, even though he hasn't quite, I don't think he's achieved what would be the pinnacle of his career yet, I would say he's definitely increased his net worth for a performer since going to AEW and getting into the pinnacle. Eh, I kind of feel like he's in the same boat he was when he was an XP. See, I can see why some would say that, but when you see him come out, when you hear him, when you see him perform, I mean, there's a more more of a presence to him and more of a believability, in my opinion, versus when he first started. There's a believability that at any given point he could move up. Well, that's because the WWE puts you, they, they, I mean, they literally shape everything around you. Yeah. You're not allowed to be yourself. Very few people be, are themselves mm-hmm. because they're scared of that. Yeah. Because there have been some very charismatic people. And if they turn them loose, they're going to have to pay these people because they're going to take off like a rocket. Right. So, no, let's let's control everything about them. And keep them in check. Don't let them get out of the mold. And that's where, to me, that's where. Hurry into Mattress Firm. For a limited time, save up to $500 when you get a king bed for the price of a queen or a queen for a twin. Plus, get a free adjustable base with qualifying Sealy purchases up to a $4.99 value. Or get up to 60% off America's top-rated brands like Sealy Queen mattresses starting at $279.99 or Sleepies at $169.99. In stock for fast delivery only at Mattress Firm. Restrictions apply. See store or mattressfirm.com for details. Sean suffered. But in AEW, at least he gets to be more of himself. Whether he, you know, to Rob's point, whether he breaks out or your point where you think he's better, you know, at least in AEW, he has a chance to to break out. So in looking at all of these different moves that are happening right now, and, and we've got we've got still more stuff to talk about. I mean, we're going to talk about AEW homecoming here in just a few moments. When you look at guys that charismatically have that, that seemingly like no ceiling, would you have ever expected a guy like Buddy Murphy to be producing the promos that he is right now since he's been released? Have you seen his rec- most recent one? Yeah, uh, the one from the day? Yeah, I think there's one today. The yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, first off, the guy that uh, – the, the – the man that plays the the black doctor, Josiah Williams, I think is his name. He's responsible for producing John Moxley's videos, um, for producing, of course, Malachi Black's because it's the same basic setting, same doctors. Which, I mean, is it a safe bet now to say that he's going to be in with Malachi Black? No. Mm-mm. No. So, all right. So, if you watch. Murphy's, I, I saw it in two parts. Right? I mm-hmm. guess the one was too long, so I had to catch the second part. Right? Okay. 
And I forget the line. All right, but in this video, it, you clearly figure out that the asylum is up north. Is Stanford. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, they they almost come out and say it. I mean, it's that clear, right? Yeah. So let's take Moxley, right? Mm-hmm. So if we're to if we're to connect these, mm-hmm. Moxley breaks out of prison, right? There are some asylums, or, you know, whatever prisons that have bars on them, right? But he's not connected to Black. Black breaks out. He's not connected to Moxley. So it's safe to say that the the whole asylum backdrop is not so much they can be put together as a group. It's they have left Stanford and they're telling you and they're telling the world without coming out and labeling it. That place is nuts. Oh, yeah. I mean, the narrative that they're telling with these promos is outstanding, where they're basically like, I don't know if you caught it, Brian, but the the doctor says at one point, we've even got the devil himself here, which I think is direct foreshadowing to Bray. Yeah, it's possible. Well, so I'm curious because I missed missed it the first time, but they're at the very beginning. Mm Mm-hmm. There's a guard, and he's standing in front of a sign. Oh, yeah, it's Orlando, but you don't see it at first. Right, but what I'm saying is I'm almost curious if this, if there's not something on this sign, like it spells out WWE or something. You know what I'm saying? Or at least like PC. If, yeah, or, or something, like because you only see one side of it, so you only see like the first letter, first one or two letters of each of yeah. some of the words. So I have to go back and look. But, yeah, so the asylum is nothing more than they are breaking breaking out of the WWE. That's it. So where they go or what they do from here, uh-huh. uh, I, I think is irrelevant. It's just letting people know uh, that's a nut house. And now I'm free to, you know, free to um, apply my craft. Now, the devil could also mean uh, Bronson. Bronson Because, Reed. yeah, if you remember uh-huh. his tweet, uh, his tweet was pretty much, you know, now that, I'm, I, now that I've been turned loose, it's, you know, it's going to be hell to pay. Hmm. That could be interesting. I didn't even, I didn't even think of that. That's, that's an interesting point. Uh, screenshot from the video where the guy's driving up to the gate. It is... Something the creator on, I don't know if it's a t-shirt or a, a clipboard or whatever, but you can see it when the where, where they kind of do a shot to the center console of the car. No, no, no. Now I'm like a YouTube video uh, guy where I'm breaking down frame by frame. Yeah, but no, look at the one where they show the guard. And oh, the yeah, guard yeah. is I'm, standing I'm in front that, of a I green just, sign. Yeah, 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 I just happened to see that in the opening second. Okay, so here we are. Right if they first go in, it says, no trespassing. You can tell that. Violators will be prosecuted. It's a 407 area code, and it says Orlando. But to me, the building behind him, I mean, it's not a direct match, but it does look like the PC. Which would be yeah, I mean, so. how hilarious would that be if they film this right under their noses? <laughs> no. I mean, I don't think they I don't think they do that, uh, you know. Uh, I'm sure that I'm sure they have access to something, but 
Uh, yeah, so I, I mean, I didn't read into as in Buddy and Malachi Black are gonna form up or you know pull an outsiders type thing or something like that. I read it especially after this that you know he's cut ties with the WWE. Mm-hmm. It's just insanity up there, and now I can do what I need to do. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and even though Moxley's video and Black's video are the same setting, the same type of situation who knows what murphy does yeah maybe the maybe the devil was ruby that would be cool <laughs> you know that would be a nice little switch instead of it yeah. being you know the obvious bray or, or somebody uh let's see on buddy murphy's um pocket it's bks i assume that's his first is it or that's his initials bks 88 Oh, isn't it a bunch of eights? Um, like on his, on his left, on the left pocket? Yeah, it's definitely on the left pocket. Um, and on his on his Twitter account, by the way, under his, you know, where he, he usually lists their names, it's B underscore, like a whole bunch of underlines, and then M underlines. So we still have yet to see what his actual name is. And it's weird because the way they lay this out – well, you can obviously tell it's him, but he goes to uh, – he passes something to one of the guards, and then he just stands there. There's two guards, and they're armed, by the way, like armed like they're SWAT team guys. What kind of asylum is that? <laughs> I'm stuck in the asylum where they've got automatic weapons. That would make me very nervous. Just saying. Um, but it's it's – it's the cinematics like this. It's the the vision that you get from these type of promos where you're like, wow, this is the creative vision of people just freed to do something that makes sense. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that he has to be like a supernatural character or anything, but the way this positions him is when he appears, whenever that is, I don't know when his uh, non-compete expires. Um, but well, it's so, yeah, but... I mean, I would almost have to think that it's either expired or has to be expiring Very for him to even yeah. pull this off. Yeah. Because I wouldn't be shocked if there's not. I mean, it literally, the doctor is the same in the Malachi Black one. Yeah. So it wouldn't be hard to tie him into AEW, you know, if he was still under contract. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, there wouldn't be a stretch in any court of law to be like, uh, he did this one, and the guy showed up that night. <laughs> same, you know, same setting, same, oh, look, here's this guy again. You know, then subpoena him to court, who do you work for? As right. soon as he mentions AEW, then that's uh, meddling or one. Yeah, so I would imagine he's got to either be done and they probably made a snafu, snafu kind of like what they did for Black, and they're just not saying it. Or he didn't maybe have it to begin with. Now, we, we started the show with talking about, you know, Friday Night SmackDown. They announced during the show, which is horrible timing, by the way. Uh, they announced the releases of 12 different people, which I, I still astounds me that you would announce this during a televised show. However... During this same program, we also catch wind that Adam Cole apparently as recent as just before they aired 
was in meetings with Vince McMahon for a new contract. And the reason this is noteworthy, and we're going to head to homecoming from this conversation, is that if Adam Cole, if his contract expires after SummerSlam, and SummerSlam is next weekend, let me just pull that up to be sure. SummerSlam is on August 21st, so yeah, that's next Saturday, not this Saturday. If that's true, he could be on AEW programming on the 25th. Because if he, if he doesn't re-sign, there is no non-compete. There is no, you can't show up here, here, or here. Right. I think it's a little bit later in the month. Um, I think he takes a few weeks off and then shows? No, no. I, I think his contract is, I mean, it's after SummerSlam, but I think it's like later uh, past the 25th, but before September 1st. Because I know that All Out does not do the Casino Battle Royale. And if it was me, I wouldn't debut him there anyway, because unless he's going to win it, which would be fine, um, you start to really muddy the waters with all the different people. As Rampage grows, and I have a feeling that Rampage will quickly go from one hour to two hours. I, I think they'll expand that pretty fast. Because you're going to have... It's going to be kind of that perfect storm that WCW had when Thunder was brought up initially. You have all of these top-level talents. You need to do something with them and make sure everybody gets seen and we can continue to maximize. I think the benefit that Tony Khan has versus what Eric Bischoff had is Tony Khan has freedom. Tony Khan can say, okay, well, cool. I've got you know the six brain trust people that I work with all the time. They're going to help me balance the shows, and we can make – because I don't think – because we talked about it last week. I don't think they're going to do a brand split, but I could af- absolutely see the TNT title be the major focus of one show and the tag titles and the AEW title bounce between the two and maybe have like the women's title and the trio's title a focus of Dynamite or vice versa. You know what I mean? Because to me, you can do all of these things and accomplish these same goals and not have to have – because if you notice, AEW still hasn't done it. You don't have to have a 20-minute infomercial before the match actually airs for each pay-per-view. Right. Well, not just each pay-per-view, but for each show. Right. I mean, look at how many matches they pack on Dark on a regular basis. I mean, I think it's like 12, 13 sometimes. They they front-load that so heavy that it is amazing to me that they've been able to keep up this pace. Yeah, well, and the interesting thing is, so last week, right, uh, I forget the name of the site, uh, uh, but they grade the matches, right? Uh, Grapple, I think, is the uh, the app. Uh, no, it's not Grapple. It's like uh, start, it's sports something. Sports. Yeah, maybe that's it. So they, you know, that's where I get, if I miss Dark or Elevation, that's where I watch. Or not watch, but that's what I read. Right, I'm just looking for the grades, right? Mm-hmm. So last week's dark, right? There was only one match, I don't know, like 10 or 12, that slid down to a C. There were no Ds, no Fs. One of like 10 or 11 matches was graded a C. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The rest were all A's and B's to these people. 
So dark, or yeah, dark and ovation. If if they can figure out a way to get them out there on social media, mm-hmm. could very quickly become, you know, a third show, you know, where some of these people can go to, and you know, still have a, have a spot at the table. And I think that what's what's going to be seen here is that as long as they stick with the formula they've been sticking with, and I really don't see them deviating anytime soon, anyway. Um, a very uh, gradual climb to a ladder that they get to set their own height to. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. they don't have to be... They don't have to aspire to be better than Vince. And I don't think that they do. I think they aspire to be better wrestling, period. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think they look at it at the same platform, and I don't think Vince looks at it at the same platform, which is where many fans get very confused, and I understand, because... You do. You've got sports entertainment fans, and then you have pro wrestling fans. And I think there's a, gr- a drastic difference between the two. And oh, yeah. What happens is, and I've noticed this happens. It's not just, as Brian puts it so eloquently, the WWE bobbleheads. It's not just them. Because there are also, this is a new term, Brian, and I'm not sure I'll say it after this week. But there is something called AEW sexuals. I didn't know if you were aware of this. What those that are diehard AEW fans? Basically, yeah. So me, I'd stick yeah. with bobbleheads. Bobbleheads works on both levels, but apparently people are taking it pretty hard. Yeah, but I mean, Stan, though, here's the difference, right? Yeah. A WWE bobblehead, right? Is those bobbleheads that week in and week out turn into the same drivel, right? Because they don't know any better. Mm-hmm. they're so conditioned that they're not going to go look for other things. Right. Right. And they're leaving, right. Watching the WWE. That's how the numbers decline. Mm-hmm. They are losing audiences. Right. And it will call it a, a, a W a bobblehead too. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I could even do the AEW sexual on a weekly basis, but anyway, to me, it sounded weird. It was definitely worth saying once, but I don't know if I'd do it more than once. <laughs> so, but these people, right. These people are the ones that get on social media and say, you know what? I haven't watched wrestling in 20 years until I heard about AEW. And now I can't stop watching it. In all fairness, I'm going to say, and I'll, let, I'll give it right back to you, but I think a majority of the people that say, I haven't watched the next amount of time, I think they're full of shit. I think they no. say that to sound cool. Me and you could easily fall into that, right? Rob, well, Rob, Rob would probably be easier than me and you, right? Because, you know, Impact and ROH and, you know, I'm watching four or five different companies a week most times, mm-hmm. right? Rob is probably one or two. Right? Do you watch more, Rob? Not that. No, there ain't nothing other else out there worth shit. Okay, so and this is no slight to Rob, right? Mm-hmm. But Rob could very easily. Well, Rob, and, you're no, no. <laughs> if there was no AEW, yeah. right? Rob could very easily fall into the category of, I haven't watched wrestling in a year. And next thing, a year's two years, and four years, and six years. Right. Oh, I'm not because that's how it happens. Yeah. Right. But then that doesn't mean Rob doesn't keep track of it. Mm-hmm. Rob just simply doesn't waste his time 
tuning in on Monday night and Friday night and Tuesday night to watch a product that doesn't, you know, has no meaning for him. Right. But then again, five years down the road, here's AEW and it's fun again, right? Because it's pro wrestling. That's what we all want to watch pro wrestling, not sports entertainment. And so Rob can very, could, well, you know, again, we're just using him as an example here. Rob would then have the ability. I haven't watched wrestling in five years. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Well, he yeah. may have watched it, but he hasn't paid a lick of attention to it. Sure. You see, you see what I'm saying? And I and, and I would I, say, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no go ahead, go ahead. I would say, by but, and large, you're probably right. There are fans that truly have gone a distance of time without watching. But I think a lot of people fall into that category of this is what's cool. I'm going to say. I haven't watched and blah, blah, blah. And then when you ask them, oh, really? So how was Raw last night? They'll name a match. And I go, yeah, this was pretty good. To me, that's like, oh, well, you just got called on. You just got called BS because, you know, you're still. Okay, you don't love it. But you, if you're still watching it, but you don't love it, in my opinion. And this maybe this is gatekeeping and I don't want to do that. But so much. Uh, why are you watching it if you hate it so much? You know what I mean? That's gatekeeping. Yeah, but it may not I mean, be I, that I, you I could hate say it. that maybe that is, and I'm not trying to be like that, but I, I see why someone would say it. Uh, uh, so I could very easily do that with WWE. All right? So out of the last I two you were years. WWE anymore. Well, I'm no, I watched the pay-per-view. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, yeah. But you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, oh, well, uh, I watched the pay-per-views. Mm-hmm. But I, that doesn't mean I'm not looking at articles i'm not looking at results i'm not looking at you know uh whatever other social Mm -hmm. media you know that that comes along right but i mean i still fall into that category you know and let's say let's say i decided to give up pay-per-view right Mm -hmm. just because i can tell you a match that doesn't mean that i'm lying to you right right because Maybe it was, oh, I don't know, maybe Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn and they, uh, you know, the, the, the Internet is all a buzz of mm-hmm. what a great spectacle it was. And so it piqued my interest to go look. Mm-hmm. And then we're at the water cool. Oh, God, I saw Zayn and, and Kevin Owens last night. And that was a banger. Well, wait a second. You told me you don't watch it. You're a liar. Well, no, that doesn't mean I'm a liar. That may just mean I watched, right, you know, right. one match. You watch so, what interests you. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. I would say that I watch, you know, I watch AEW and I watch WWE. I watch what interests me, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I will say that Fast Forward is my friend. But, um, you know, there's matches and things on both shows that I'm like, okay. And then there's storylines on both shows that I'm like, okay. You know? And so, and I would probably watch more if I could just remember what channel they were on and record them. But I guess we should have used Impact with Rob because I don't think Rob's watched Impact. Well, I mean, in in his defense. I haven't watched Impact since it was on the Travel Channel or whatever. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, Impact would have been a better one Because their channel shifts have been ridiculous. (laughs) And I agree with you there, Rob. I mean, I don't even know if Comcast has access anymore. And I can tell you this, that I don't have AOL anymore, internet service, so I don't get NWA. Was that was that only on AOL? 
I'm just kidding. Wow. <laughs> so I, 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 Rob, you got me because. <laughs> Like, I'm like, is he making a dick? <laughs> is that a okay? So I was real slow on the uptake on that. All right, <laughs> Rob just won the night because he caught me napping. Rob's not on dial up anymore, Brian, so he doesn't get WA oh, results. That's how far far he is separated from the. Although I will point out that Rob, when NWA Empower comes on, you'll want to check that out because that that women's show. At least in the first couple of shows, it's going to be pretty cool. There's a lot of talented women that are that are showing up there. To date, you've got <clears throat> Debbie Malenko. Now we haven't seen her since she competed against Medusa and or Alunder Blaze back in the uh, '90s. Uh, Chelsea Green, Mickey James, Diana Perrazzo, and I don't think Mickey James is performing there. I think she's just going to be like an on-screen authority. Um, Gail Kim is rumored to be having a role there. Melina will have a role there. Uh, Thunder Rosa, obviously, is going to compete there at some point. Serena Deeb, once she's better from her knee injury. I mean, there's a lot of really talented women for the NWA's uh, women's show that's going to be good. Cool. But, uh, you know, back on track as we were we were kind of – what I was trying to do was get us to homecoming. Um, you know, we're looking at all – I didn't go to homecoming. I don't, you know. Yeah, I didn't have a date. Yeah, it's okay. Um, I'm really disappointed that I missed Hoovy and Chris Jericho, and I have yet to watch the match back. Brian, I know you watched it, so when we start going over this, I want you to, to take point on that match because I myself missed The beginning it was sloppy, but the rest was good. <laughs> okay, yeah. okay. I've read a little bit about that, so I tell you what, why don't the both of you go back and forth on that? I did not catch it, but AEW Homecoming was a great show, everything after that. So we'll, let's start with Brian. We'll go with Rob after that. Brian, Rob said it started off a little sloppy. What's going on? Mm, I, I, I don't know if I'd call it sloppy, but it was like it was stuck in neutral. Okay. <laughs> to, to me, like, like Hoovy didn't like he, he didn't look like a luchador. <laughs> if that makes sense. Uh, he was very slow. Was like, heavy? I though? will say that I caught myself a couple yeah, times heavy. going caught myself a couple times caught you know is this hoovy you know, like, <laughs> i noticed in this it, picture he had the mask on well and, and not only that but i don't know what is up with the with people that like wear the gloves but they're oversized right yeah. to the point that in the match you are constantly pulling them down you're you know you're constantly fixing these things or you're putting your fingers spreading your fingers to try and get the gloves on right that makes a good point you know because it's like it's kind of like he hasn't wrestled in a while or they ordered him gear and he lost weight or some shit because it was just like all his gear like even his mask looked like it was too big for him but I mean the thing I was referring to is that that one spot that I saw where Hoovy was on the top rope and then Chris Jericho kind of stood there and Hoovy came off and then Chris Jericho kind of stood there and then Hoovy went back up and then they connected, you know, like, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't what I was expecting. So. I would say no. And I would say no. I would say also that MJF was very lucky that security was right there because <laughs> There were some fans that wanted to take a piece of MJF because he was so close. 
standing on that little ledge. Mm-hmm. He and machines. I didn't know if you all saw it, but I don't know if you saw it, Brian, but did you see security when MJF was up there rattling off at the mouth and security down by the ring is like pointing to people like, don't you do it. Yeah. Don't you oh, do yeah, it. The, the guy in the yellow shirt or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Like, don't you do it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I kind of like what AEW does with MJF. Like I don't. I, right now, let's not wear them out by having them in there week in and week out. Mm-hmm. You know, but they're almost kind of turning him into a special attraction. Right. You know, where he only wrestles maybe what every third month or something. But he he gets so much heat. It is crazy how much heat that kid gets. Well, and that's just it. I mean, like with with a guy like MJF. He wins the uh, the diamond the battle royal ring, and they treat him as if almost like he is. You got to really earn it to get him in the ring. Like you can't just say I want MJF this week. No, it's not. It's it may be like that for everybody else, but it's not like that for MJF at all. Yeah, which again is cool. I mean, it's this crazy underlying story. You know, that again, ultimately, when he does get in the ring, makes the match special. I mean, it's it's crazy whoever come up with that one. Well, I mean, it's like the ones that get me is like it, sometimes you, at AEW looks at, you look at it as the ones who should be wrestling every week aren't. And the ones who you would think at this point in their career would not wrestle every week are. Right. You know, it's like you've got, you get Chris Jericho every week. You get... Christian Cage every week, you know, it's just kind of like you get Sting showing up every week. Like, uh, do we have this backwards? <laughs> like, but well, that, but that's I, a good I may, I am gonna say something that may make you all mad. Uh oh. But I thought the death match last week was shit. You're talking about Jericho and Gage? Yes. Wow. But I mean, the, the, the thing ending, about death the matches was crap. Yeah, but the thing about death matches is supposed to be shit. Because if you do a good one, it's supposed to be. It's not supposed to resemble a wrestling match at all, in my opinion. Now I'm not going to say it was great. I think it was good for TV, but I mean, it, at the end of the day, it's a death match, you know, with pizza cutters and. Razor wire and all that other crazy crap. Hey, big shout out to Little Caesars, by the way, for stepping into Domino's advertising space. Did they really? <laughs> That's what that was. Uh, don't think nobody noticed that. Everybody noticed that. Twitter was all a buzz. Then um, uh, Paps Blue Ribbon PBR with uh, Cardona with the Game Changer World Title and uh, Chelsea Green and and. Uh, Brian Myers was on there, and I think I even saw Hornswoggle in this. Oh, yeah. Cardona's been sponsored by PBR for about about six months now. Jeez. Now we're going back to when wrestling was cool in the 90s when they were on TV commercials and, you know, stuff like that. No, not not Paps. <laughs> I didn't well, say them. I just said a beer. <laughs> Careful. I mean, sponsor you know, me, it, Guinness. I'd be a happy man. <laughs> Little Caesars 
Little Caesars needs to capitalize this, though, and start selling AEW pizza cutters out of their restaurants. So, I read or this. Or they sponsor on... the next match. They sponsor the next death match with Little Caesars pizza pans and Little Caesars <laughs> pizza cutters. So, have the little Trojan guy come out. There is, in fact, a story going around. I don't know how true it is that a Domino's executive who had not seen the deathmatch footage yet said that what they should do the next time they do this match is start offering a promo deal during the match where you get a special pizza box with a foam pizza cutter. Yeah. I mean, how... In, but this is what I'm talking about. Like, So instead of saying, you know what, we got to distance ourselves with that. Right. Go to Tony Khan with that idea and say, hey, can you do it again? Here's X amount of dollars to throw this promo code up there. <laughs> right. And in the next 15 minutes, anybody that orders a pizza is going to get a stupid AEW pizza cutter. And I bet you, because I know I'd probably do it myself, I'm picking up the phone calling Domino's. Hey, is it too late to order a pizza? (laughs) 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 But imagine, you know, all these little kids with their foam pizza cutters cutting on each other pretend. It's not exactly sending Uh, the right message. Like, so we didn't? I didn't say we didn't. That's not what I was saying. (laughs) Do as do as we say, not as we do. <laughs> I mean, we were a lot older too than kids, and yeah, we were we're lucky. We are truly lucky that none of us ended up permanently permanently scarred. I mean, one of yeah. us ended up with a, a permanent health issue from it, I guess. I'm just not pushing it too far. Because if we had if we had gotten into deathmatch material, that'd have been a whole. No, game. there's no way I would even fool with that one. I'd be like, you stupid idiots! Y'all go out there and clean up the mess when you're done. Ugh, no, thank you. I will say that I remember my dad coming downstairs going, when we used a couple pieces of drywall for something, oh, no. and he was like, "What the hell?" I remember you telling me you got in a little bit of trouble for that once. I was like, what, Dad? It's been sitting here for six years. What do you care? I was going to use that. (laughs) (laughs) One thing I remember about this matchup, the way they set it up was to win the match, you had to have a move that you hit off the top Mm rope. I honestly did not like that stipulation idea. But as I I continue to read through this, it sounds like the finish really looks good. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think he hit it. He hit it just right. Mm-hmm. But again, the, you know, the stipulation is there to you don't see Jericho coming off the top rope. Uh, you know, it's not like he, 20 years ago when he might hit something off the top rope right. and getting a pin. Um, so it just adds to the whole, you know, where this will be the last stop for Jericho type. Yeah. I will say the next stipulation is I don't understand it. Well the fourth just... the fourth labor is Wardlow and that MGF will be at ringside. Right. So I thought it had to be it should have been something cool like, you know, you gotta 
you're going against Wardlow and you have to have one hand tied behind your back or something like that, you know? Right, right. Although, who knows? Maybe he gets the microphone mid-match and makes it a no-disqualification match, and then he makes it a false count anywhere match, and then, you know, just a just a screw with Jericho. You remember the false count anywhere match with Kevin Sullivan where someone's head ended up in a toilet? <laughs> yeah, it was him and Ben Watt. <laughs> Got himself a swirly at the Great American Bash. <laughs> I also remember uh, different wrestlers being in that same bathroom being like, holy shit, when they saw them fighting in the bathroom, they didn't realize they were going to take the match there. Yeah. I always like that. You know, whatever program you watch, I always like when the person who's not supposed to be on the TV is on TV. Mm-hmm. And they realize they're on TV and they're doing that whole, oh, shit, I can't be, I, I got to get out of here. What? I, I, there's no place to go. Now, the the next segment of Homecoming is, it should be called, <laughs> what we should call this segment, Rob, is Tony Khan is reading Brian's playbook. Because that's exactly what I saw. As the Dark Order is in the back, Having a conversation, Adam Page basically tells them, nope, I got to do this on my own, you know, and of course, if you watch BTE this morning, you get more details for this. We'll talk about that in a moment, but Brian, do do you just send Tony Khan messages on how to book Adam Page? Because that's really what I think you're doing. Mm -mm. I mean, that's the only thing, that's the only thing you can do with him. Right, you have to you have to make him as sympathetic as absolutely possible of a character, so that you know when he finally dethrones Omega, it is just that feel good moment that everybody, right, like literally loses their shit over. Sorry, but I said it. I, I just. Uh... I, I love and I hate slow burn stories. I love them when they when I finally pay off because you're absolutely right. It's a huge, just like, holy shit moment. But the getting there can sometimes be agonizing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but so you also have to look at two, right? So you have to, I, I think AEW does a good job of evolving storylines, right? So now you have the elite calling themselves the super elite and it's five guys, right? Right. It's five guys, right? And you tried to beat them with the dark order, right? And you couldn't, You, you just couldn't do it. So, you know, maybe the storyline is, well, I thought I could do it with you guys, but I can't. So I'm going to have to go at it alone. Even though he's not, because Frankie showed up last week. Oh, I guess that's a segment to go ahead of what we're talking about here. What? Yeah, I was or, trying no, to space it out a little bit. I didn't want okay. to go too much further. All right, but anyway, so he's, he's getting friends, and these friends are of higher, I don't want to say value, but higher caliber than the dark order mm-hmm. um five is such a magic number especially when it comes to certain things somewhere down the line mm-hmm. interesting right mm-hmm. you get your team i'll put my team together have us a blood and guts match if i win 
I get a title shot. And, you know, there we are again. But so he, if they do again, Gus, now it's do about. You think, do you think it's Dark Order that he goes with? No. No, I, he did, I mean, I just threw Frankie in there. So you could have Moxley in there and Eddie in there. And God, man, I'm, I'm just missing a crossover somewhere with Impact, right? Mm-hmm. Well, let's throw Sammy in there. And let's just tear it up and destroy a building while we're at it. Hmm. And again, if I win, I give me a title shot. Because, you know, he dropped, uh, I think he dropped, what, to second place or something last week or whatever. Yep. Which I don't, I don't, I don't quite understand how you drop a place in a five, a ten-man match. But anyway, so he drops. But he's still right there. Even if he drops, keeps dropping, you know, the good thing about wrestling is it's easy for the lowest guy in the company to get himself a title shot if he applies himself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I just think you keep dropping, you know, you keep look, making Paige look and turn in, uh, I guess, turn him into the sympathetic character. And then when he wins, hold on. It's going to be interesting to see because by by that kind of a build up to me, I would think that that's a um, full gear in November instead of getting to all out. But the new number one contender, at least as of, as of this past uh, Wednesday is Christian cage. Well, we asked the question last week, Brian, we said, Hey, who, who gets the, the position of who's going to lose to Kenny Omega next? Um, is it a surprise to you that it's Kenny Omega? I mean, Christian cage. Hmm. No, anybody in the top five, uh, you know, any, uh, you know, any, any time, mm-hmm. uh, you know, can again, wrangle himself a title match. Yeah. And the, the cool thing is, and this is what, this is kind of where I was going with this is that Christian has proven a point and that's, he wasn't, and probably shouldn't have had to retire when he did. I don't think he was ready for retirement at that point. And what we're seeing is somebody that really hasn't missed a beat. Mm, I'll agree to a point, but you have to look at where his body was. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, physical body was back, what, seven years ago? Was that right? That's right. Yeah, just about. Yeah, so, I mean, he could have had injuries and they were like no you can't do it we're gonna have to retire you or whatever mm-hmm. and again back then he had no other way he really had no other option um he could have gone back to impact but you know impact at that time was looking like it was crashing and burning mm-hmm. so why not end your contract sitting at home making money i mean it's one of those situations where you have to you have to make a decision that's going to help help your career overall and and if it's yourself that had to be considered first 
then I guess that makes sense. I mean, I, I, the one thing we don't have outside of what, really what he said, is the the full story on just how much of a, how bad his concussion was when he had to retire so long ago. Yeah, um, you know, that's the, you just pretty much have his story. Yeah. So we talked about it earlier on in the show, um, Everrise getting released and then coming into coming into AEW as 2. Point, excuse me, I have the hiccups. Coming into AEW with 2.0 and Dar- Danny Garcia uh, going against John Moxley, Eddie Kingston and Darby Allin. But the highlight of this matchup was was really the interaction between Sting and one of 2.0. Did you happen to notice where he asked him if he was the real Sting? Oh, uh, yeah, outside the ring. Yeah. Are you the real Sting? I mean, it was a great little fan moment. It played very well. Oh, yeah. Um, so, you know, I don't, under, I don't understand it. I think they're going by 2.0 now, right? 2.0. Yeah, yeah, that's what they're calling themselves. I, I mean, I really don't understand it. These guys have the size. They seem to have the ability. Personality. Yeah, they have a very strong charisma about them. Yet you let these guys walk. Mm-hmm. And when did when did they get cut? Do you remember? They were uh, obviously. It wasn't were they like in the last one or the one before that? The last set. Okay, so Three, four weeks ago, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. All right. But you know, and I'm not going to say like in that it's already paying dividends. Mm-hmm. But you can almost look at this team and be like, you know what? <laughs> In six months, eight months, a year down the road, you're going to get incredible matches. Mm-hmm. Them and FTR, them and Santana and Ortiz, them and you know any number of other tag teams. Because mm-hmm. well, they win again. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say they they have a huge tag team roster to compete with them. Mm-hmm. But, but again, though, they, they have a certain something that's, you know, that a lot of these other good tag teams have mm-hmm. that you can tell they're, they're going to get the opportunity to use. And again, with, with a team like 2.0, I'm not looking for 2.0 six months down the road. I'm looking to see where 2.0 develops two years down the road. You know, I'm looking to play the long game with 2.0. Mm-hmm. FTR, you know, Santana and Ortiz, you know, the, the core of, you know, your tag team division. I want to play the long game with them. Simply because if, they, if this is what they're showing you – their pre, you know, debut is what they're showing you. The sky's the limit if I just let them be themselves. And here's a classic example of if talent gets to be, you know, themselves. Right. You know, just and, go out there and, and yak it up with Sting. Yeah. Rob's muted. Does he know he's muted? Or? Yeah, yeah. He, he put in there. Oh. He would uh, be right back. Looks like he had to step oh, okay. Right. <clears throat> but... But again, this here's this is a classic example, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, the acclaimed, right? Here's another good one, right? Imagine the the, the battles we're gonna have 
you know, if they're if they keep the long game, you know, down the road for 2.0, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, they were on uh, being the elite, and they were allowed to be again, and they're funny. Yeah. <laughs> they were themselves. They were funny. Talking yeah. about it is the you know it is the bad sting. End of the sting. That's Jeff yeah. Farmer. That was great. That was great. I, I do love that they are continuing to grow, being the elite. Um, I got a little annoyed when they tried to to do the whole like Dark Order is not on here anymore, but that was because the good news of being the elite was it got me sucked in, you know, into the story. So that, what did I do? I tuned in to Sammy's vlog, and all of a sudden the Dark Order is trying to be on Sammy's vlog. And then I'm like, wow, okay, cool. So now I'm watching Dark Order on Being the Elite and Sammy's vlog, because both of them are pretty good. And it's just, it's subtle nuances that they do that just carries a story. And honestly, short of them doing just major gaffes, and I just don't see it happening, this is how a story can be told in wrestling. It's very simple. It really isn't as drawn out as it has to be. We don't need to have, uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, I'm angry because someone insulted my my Scottish background, you know, this whole Drew, ba- Drew McIntyre thing and him and gender. I, I don't need that. Just do the match. Just go out there, perform, and let us make the decision as, as we will. If, if people could take that step back, people being WWE, I mean, I think their product would at least improve some. No, yeah, but so, again, I'm under the same um, thought process, you right? Because that's the good thing about New Japan, Mm -hmm. right? There's very little story. There's a lot of wrestling, little story, right? Mm -hmm. Not everybody has one, and they just go out there and wrestle, right? And I, I do like that format, mm-hmm. but I do think you should have certain stories, but you just need to make sure they're so simplistic right? Right. that they can be followed well, very that's, easy. That's where they do so well. I mean, look at the story between um, Andrade and Chavo and the Death Triangle stable. Right now, Andrade is trying to court them to come to him so that they can all be champions together. It has a real kind of uh, almost like an LWO vibe. And they're trying to play them against Pac and say that Pac's not here for you. Pac's not in your corner. But it's a very simple formula. Now, I I honestly think that it's going to pan out where there's another tag team that debuts with Chavo and Andrade and they feud with the Death Triangle faction. But that that storyline right now is an example of you don't see a whole lot of it on Dark or Elevation, unless I've missed it because I don't I, I try to watch it as often as I can. But that, that's a lot of wrestling. Um, Dynamite, it, you get maybe a, f- a five minute segment to further that story. But every time they're in there, as Jim Ross would say, they maximize their minutes, and, and it makes me wonder what's going to happen with that storyline. And it's a pretty basic formula. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing to it. Um, well, I won't say there's nothing to it, but again, they don't they don't get crazy with it, right? Right, exactly. Um, 
it is it's it's a story it's a story to to um get the wrestler over not the company yeah i mean it's if you can do it the right way every i always say it rising tide raises all ships if you build that wrestler properly and get him over everyone else around him will get over too now, granted, some of them might flop, but most of, most times it pushes someone to raise their game, and that's what AEW just does really well, and continues to do. Well. I mean, this isn't a one-time gig; they've been doing this well for three years now. Uh, Brian, you mentioned Sports Kita, so I did pull that up just to take a look at their grading. They graded the six-man tag a, a B plus. That's being a little a little generous, don't you think? What six-man? Uh, Moxley. Which one? Kingston and Darby against uh, 2.0 and, and Daniel Garcia. It was fun. I mean, it was a fun interaction, oh. but B plus. I mean, I'm old. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> See, I couldn't do this a week later. But I know it's. Um, maybe okay, we should start so... doing these right after a, a dynamite. Do a little yeah. video tidbit. What'd you think? It sucked. <laughs> By your own admission, it was what? It was fun. It was a fun match. Okay, so it was fun, right? Was yeah. it technically sound? Uh, no, no. But it was fun, right? Yes, it was definitely it entertained a fun match. You. It entertained you. Mm-hmm. Right? What match are we talking about? Uh, the six the man. Two point the other guy versus Moxley, Darby <laughs> Allen, and uh, Kingston. Yeah. I forget the other guy's name. Daniel Garcia and 2.0. All right, Garcia. Now, didn't 2.0 look like a new version of the Nasty Boys? Actually, a little bit. A little bit. Wow. Now you pit, see, Rob just pegged it. That's twice Rob has nailed it. I couldn't figure out who they kind of reminded me of. And, yes, they did kind of look like the Nasty Boys. Like, the one looked like the dark-haired kid looked like Brian Knobs. And I'm just like, I'm like, what the world? What world do we live in where there's a feud between Ali and Mansoor against uh, T-Bar and Mace? Sorry. In a world nobody gives a shit about. Yep, exactly. Moving back to Hulk Hogan. <laughs> uh, Christian Cage took on the Blade, which, hey, how about the Blade getting some real great standout matches? Him, His work with Orange Cassidy was good. His match with Christian was great. Um this one, honestly, I would have ranked a little bit higher than what they did. They ranked it at a B minus, but uh, Christian comes out remaining undefeated, wins after his spear. Uh, Rob, your thoughts on Christian and the Blade? I thought the match was great. I thought um, fast paced and, and moving. Um, I thought with what they're building up with Christian Cage being undefeated since his debut in AEW. The match went on too long. Um, that being said, like, I feel like, you know, the match was great for both people. And like you said, it gave the other guy a lot of exposure that he doesn't normally get being a singles competitor, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say that for somebody they're building as undefeated since he came in and, you know, they're pushing him towards the AEW world title at some point. The match just went too long, you know. Hmm. At seven zero, they're like, "Oh, he's seven and zero. He's undefeated." And then it's like, you know, 
I felt like I'm not saying it went on too like extraordinarily too long. I'm just saying maybe like five ten minutes too long. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Brian, but there again, I am a middle aged fat dude sitting in a recliner. So what do I know? <laughs> middle aged fat dude sitting in a recliner. Okay, Brian, <laughs> the blade. <laughs> Christian in the blade. What'd you think, man? I don't see him on the call. Oh, he's there. Yeah. Yeah, he's there. Brian, hear us, buddy? Yeah, I'm muted. Uh, So, yeah, like a lot of these things, I just, I don't have a good memory. So, doing some of this stuff a week later. Uh, I mean, I thought it was okay, I guess. I don't remember having any disappointment over it. Yeah. Do you feel like uh, Christian being positioned to take on Kenny Omega this early in his tenure is good or bad? I mean, it's not about – to me, it's not about what he's being positioned for. Mm-hmm. It's what do you have for Omega, right? Again, I, I think it's way too early to take – uh, the AEW title off of him. Mm-hmm. Right? So then to me, it doesn't really matter like on the current roster who you put in front of him. Um, now, flash forward six months. If Daniel Bryanson or Brian, da- yeah, Daniel Bryan, no. Daniel Bryanson, Danielson. I love it. That's his new name. Yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> if he's on the roster, it's his turn. Mm-hmm. Then maybe okay, maybe we pull the trigger, right? But I, I don't think I don't think Christian Cage really is is going to help the belt collector storyline any. Uh, as another notch in the uh, proverbial, you know, whatever, another notch on a belt. Yeah, I, I can see that because that's a that's a big name to knock off. So you can tout that. And I think having Christian be undefeated at that role, it, it does at least – it gives me the feel of, even though I think we'd all agree that none of us would expect Christian to win the title, um, at least it's a high-caliber main event. We know that it's going to be it, – it's going to be good. I mean, you, unless they do something crazy and just bring in, like you said, Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson, Daniel Bryanson, whoever the guys kind of call himself now. Um <laughs> How long till somebody messes that up? Uh, give it to Jim Ross because he'll do it that same week. <laughs> oh, I, mean, I listened called... to his podcast. Apparently, it was his podcast right after he made the slip. Yeah, and he kept saying the whole podcast to to um, Conrad. He goes, "Well, you know, Conrad, I've got the on early onset. You know what they? That's what they say." <laughs> and people are saying, "I've got early onset." I mean it. <laughs> You kind of now at this point now at first yeah I mean I, I guess I'm one of those people who's like ah oh, man Jim Ross is maybe he needs to step away but now it's like all right come on let's think about it for really what it is the guy has seen a lot a lot of wrestling we're talking over fifty years he if he mixes up the WWE it. title and the AEW title I'm not really too upset. Now, if he just comes out there and says Vince McMahon's a damn genius every week or something like that, then I think people would start being like, ah, yeah, maybe time to pull old Jimbo out. But for now, I, I just think it's it's just a slip of the tongue. 
Oh, yeah. Glad we can agree. <laughs> uh, Red Velvet and Britt Baker have a nice little confrontation, but it went a little long for my taste. It actually felt uncomfortable towards the end of it. Um, Brian, as they go into Rampage, it's their first episode of Rampage. It's in Britsburg, a.k.a. Pittsburgh. Uh, I mean, Red Velvet's got to get booed out of the building, wouldn't you think? Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I should rephrase that. Probably because uh, Brit appears to be the the belle of the ball. Mm-hmm. You know, even though she is technically a, a heel, uh, she gets a face reaction. Right. Um, but, I, you know, you never know. Um, but, it, you know, I, I probably wouldn't be shocked if she got moved, especially in Pittsburgh. I was... I just not that I don't think that the match will be good because actually I think Britt and Velvet will have a nice little match, but I I honestly just wanted them to get get to it and be done. Like they could, they just kept dragging and dragging. Somebody has got to start talking to him and say, all right, let's let's kind of speed this up just a little. That's yeah, a, but, who who actually would be responsible for that? Because that's not a road agent, is it? That goes out there for a segment like that, or is that or is that a road agent that would do that? Oh, it's a road agent. That's a like uh, like the agents that have the matches, you know, the ones that go through and yeah, talk to them about it and set them up. Here's your talking points. Go at yeah. it. But yeah, they like just let it go on too long. See from the ring. Uh, I, yeah, but I mean, you have you have to give these two time to develop this mm-hmm. skill. Very true. All right, they, uh, you know, Velvet's not really one to get interviews. So she's going to probably be a little bit slower on the uptick. Mm-hmm. You know, Britt is normally by himself or with Tony Schiavone. Mm-hmm. So she normally doesn't get the, you know, versus type interview. So she's got to learn to be on the uptick. But, you know, again, you, you have to give them time to develop. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, I didn't think it was slow, but I guess I guess it could have been slow. Um, something about Velvet. I feel like Red Velvet has a lot of potential going forward, a lot of opportunity going uh, forward. Um, and just like we were talking about with 2.0, not just like in six months, but like two years down the road, her and Jade Cargill could be the faces of the division. And the hottest ticket on the card. They could be. They uh, Especially Jade Cargill. I'm quickly becoming a Jade Cargill fan. Mm-hmm. Um, back to Brian's playbook, apparently. Because the next segment of the night is Adam Page going to the ring because he's got something to say to the elite or the super elite. And they proceed to beat the piss out of this man for a good five minutes. I'm probably exaggerating on the time, but I don't care. I mean, three V triggers, no, three BTE triggers, a magic killer, a belt shot to the face. What, what's, what's next? You going to set the man on fire? We go, we go melt him like we did the fiend? No, but, it, it, you know, again, to make my point, did you hear the crowd? Oh, yeah. Yeah, super, super into this segment. Like, you right. weren't walking away from this segment without interest. Right. And yeah. again, it, it, you know, I'm not going to say that 
what AEW, AEW does is magical by any stretch of the means. What AEW is doing right now is drawing you in as a fan and hooking you, mm-hmm. right? They're not necessarily making you like a fan of every person or every match, but they're hooking you, and they're in some of these some of these things that they're hooking you on are again going to come to fruition months down the road. And when it happens, that's when it'll be magical. Because I, I mean, I, I can only imagine when he wins that title and the chance for cowboy shit start up. And whether you're a fan of him or not, because you know, 90% of the arena is screaming it. You're going to stand up and chant it too. I mean, it's, it is going to be one of those moments where you're, the crowd is going to lose it. They're, they're going to yeah. blow the roof off wherever they're at. That might be where you have, that might be the match, the main event you have. Uh, what is it? September 22nd. September 22nd, easy for me to say, over at Arthur Ashe Stadium. You know, that big, just main, huge moment. And frankly, even though, yeah, you'd want to put it on TV, and part of me really feels like they're going to televise it, even if it's a special event, I could honestly see them trying to build it towards that because it's such a huge event. Mm, I mean, they do do put... Uh, you know, matches that would normally be on pay-per-view. Right, they do right. give them away for free. I don't mm-hmm. think this one, I don't think they give this one for free. I think you'll watch it on a replay. Yeah. But this one, um, you know, again, they may create a show around it. But I think this one is clearly a pay-per-view match. Because, you know, again, if you go all the way back, remember to Jericho and Paige, mm-hmm. right? We all, you know, based off of what you hear, Paige is the Paige is the champ. Paige is taking it, and then all of a sudden he loses Jericho. So there goes your first. If you're going to do a roller coaster, you know, yeah. yeah. And now over the course of what I guess be about two years now, mm-hmm. getting on close to two years, up and down, up and down, up and down. Well, now here comes the loop-de-loop and the big grand finale is, you know, months away. And that's why that's why I said full gear is probably is most likely where Paige wins the title. It won't happen at, at all out. As cool as that it would be for all out, don't get me wrong. I think honestly, it's going to happen at full gear. It's going to be right around that two-year anniversary from where he lost to Jericho mm-hmm. initially. And it makes sense. It makes good sense. It's going to be a great story that plays that plays out. Um, I really saw a lot of character progression with not just him, but also the Dark Order, where they had to like hold one another back from helping him because it was what he wanted. I liked that they actually let that play out on TV. I liked the confusion it caused because fans are now – they're tying the Dark Order and Adam Page together, which is fine. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm totally fine with that. And I like the dynamic of that because as you continue to go, you can do this any way you want. Page could turn heel after he wins the belt. You guys didn't help me. They were kicking the hell out of me. And y'all just said no. Or 
he could do the celebration with his friends. You know, there's a lot of different things. There's a lot of room to grow, and he can take it any way he wants to take it. And that's what made that moment so big. Now, Brian and Rob, last week I made a prediction about Miro and Lee Johnson. Who wants to tell me what my my prediction was? I don't know. I can't remember. I can't remember either. Last week I said Lee Johnson... At the hands of Miro, his head was going to touch his toes, and he was going to do it backwards. I want to thank Miro for being a fan of a vengeful god and a double-jointed wife, because he damn sure did make Lee Johnson's head touch his toes backwards. In that, uh, I don't know, that Campbell Clutch submission that he does that is now, I know he calls it game over, is what he calls it. But that was just redonkulous. Who did he um, do that to in the WWE that I was just like, Ugh. <laughs> He did it to Mark Henry. He he didn't do it to small people in WWE. He did it to, like, Mark Henry. He did it to the big show. He did it to Swagger. He did it, and it, and it looked like he broke Swagger's back. Hager. As we now know him. Um, Sports Kita gave this match an A. Uh, wow. I... Definitely thought the match was good. I thought Lee Johnson had a great a great showing. I really did. Uh, there was a part of me that actually thought, man, maybe they're going to give Lee Johnson the, the underdog victory. It kind of sucked me in. And again, that that's – but again, that's – like I said, that's what they do. Mm-hmm. You know, not only is this – like the match is the story a lot of times. Yeah, because I'll have to admit there. I was kind of worried for Miro at, at one point in time too. Um, you know, it was kind of like, uh oh, this is not looking good. You know, are they are they going to do this? And you know, part of me is like that would be the dumbest thing in the world, and part of me is like that's pretty smart. And then, you know, of course, Miro, Miro's up. And is able to break them in half. It was just... I like what they've done with Miro in the sense that it's not an immediate squash. It's right. not two minutes. No, you're going to get an eight-minute, ten-minute segment, and you're going to have a competitive matchup, but by the end of it, the, the winner is going to be Miro, but you may not expect it to happen the way it does. It doesn't have to be by a submission, but it, it helps when it is. He can hit the... Uh, they call it a super kick. I wouldn't call it a super kick. It looks more like a, I don't know, a different style. But thrust what he, kick, maybe. Yeah, maybe a thrust kick or what did they used to call it? A savat kick, I think is what they used to call it. Um, the Just his, his way his performance is, it, he, it can come from anywhere. It doesn't have to be one one type of finish only. And that's that's a great thing for him. If he continues to grow like this, I still think that they'll probably will put Lana with him because that was a good pairing. They don't have to at this point. Lana, apparently, by the way, has gotten booked for all sorts of stuff since getting released. She's going to be on The Surreal Life on, uh, I think, VH1. And she's got a whole lot of other, like, uh, high-profile bookings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Miro even come out and said it may not happen. Yeah, he, he has. He's very active on Twitch. And if you ever get a chance to watch him on Twitch, he's actually quite quite entertaining there. But he answers questions from fans all the time. And one of his questions, of course, was, hey, when's Lana going to be with you? And he's like, you know, she may just do her own thing. She really doesn't right now have the time. 
Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so championship co- qualifier between Layla Hirsch and the Bunny. Uh, I really liked this match. Um, I don't know if I would have given it an A, but I would say a strong B plus. I mean, Layla Hirsch. I think she's legit. She lives up to her nickname. Um, I like the Bunny though too. I mean, Allie has really. <laughs> she's improved. so short. <laughs> yeah. So okay, the whole match was good but the the thing that stole the show was when camille comes across the rail it gets in the middle of the ring holds the belt up and it's like a little kid it's like she just walks straight into her chest like she couldn't even look up and see her whole face because she her chest was in the way i was just like dude (laughs) that's that's a severe disadvantage depending on how you look at that yeah but you know again this is you know you they, they should have had figured out a way for Layla to get her in the face. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Kind of like she bends over just a little too far to make yeah. fun of her. and Gets a slap or something. Yeah, yeah gets a slap, knocks her on the butt or something. Because I have to admit, I was not expecting that one. I, just... I did not see that one coming at all. I saw it, and then when she stood in the middle of the ring, she's holding the belt up high. I'm like, well, dude, you're putting your boobs all up in her face. She can't even see you. I mean, I know that's crass, but you can't can't see her face. (laughs) It's like she was taunting a nine-year-old. Yeah, them them boots or whatever she was wearing, I guess. Uh, Were those high heels? I could not tell. Oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure they were high heels. I mean, she might be tall anyway, but... I think the high heels gave her a little bit. A little bit of a boost. Yeah. Rob, what did you think of uh, Layla Hirsch winning against the Bunny? I mean, I thought it was funny how this was preempted from earlier, you know. Mm-hmm. It just continued on. And honestly, when you saw the Bunny you saw the bunny come in, you saw her, Layla Hirsch come in, you're like, all right, the Bunny's got this. Right. You know. Mm-hmm. And then just the way the hard hitting manner of it that Layla Hurst is like, you know what? You know, she's got that. She, her character reminded me of that guy we used to see when we'd go to wrestling up in Alexandria, you know, the one who never wrestled with shoes on. And, you know, I can't remember his name, but he was like an MMA and, and stuff. But I oh, got Dominic Jarini. Yeah. 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 You know, I got that vibe, but then it was like, it was cool to see the underguard underdog win, but it was very weird when the champ comes in and is like, I got the belt. <laughs> Can't catch it. It's like that Keep insurance guy on the commercial. Oh, you almost had it. Oh, you almost... <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a great visual on TV, though. It, it, if, and I don't think it will happen, but if Layla Hirsch wins the women's title, that will be a major moment. I think her competing for it is a major moment in herself. I agree. I agree. Yeah. So completely. I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't envision one minute that that belt is coming back to AEW, considering that uh, the NWA is up and running now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I don't. I, I again, I don't know. This is one of these out of left field ones. That I, I'm not, I, I wouldn't say confused, but still like, 
that's that's where we're going. What what are we what are we doing? <laughs> but she's primed for that upset victory, though. That's the crazy part. The coolest part of it is it could go either direction, and both sides would be great. Yeah. I mean, Camille and AEW, I didn't expect to see. Um, so that's cool. And seeing the potential for Layla Hirsch just to come away with the upset, that's a big deal. Um, I, I really am curious as to see what happens next with that, but I'm really curious to see what happens next between the next two guys. The main event of Homecoming was Malachi Black against Cody Rhodes. And it was just all Malachi Black just beating the hell out of Cody. Which a lot of people thought that maybe Cody was going to win this match because of how he had already beaten um, like Brody Lee when he debuted and he beat Lance Archer when he debuted. But that was not the case with this one. But I feel like the story, the major story that happened with this match happened after the match. Right. Cody does like this thing with him and Tony Schiavone where he's basically talking about retiring and stepping away and he starts taking his boots off. And uh, Malachi Black's having none of it. And says, no, 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 you're not stealing my spotlight. And then smacks him over the head, or the back and head, with the crutch. Um, and then takes the one boot that he managed to get off and takes it with him. As Cody is laid out in the middle of the ring. So the story then shifts back to, you're not stealing my moment. And Malachi Black comes off looking all the better. Now, Brian, you said that you felt that they missed an opportunity with this. What did you mm -hmm. mean by that? So again, it, 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 like I'm big into playing with the emotions, right? Mm -hmm. Of the crowd, right? So they were like, I mean, this reminded me of like when the Undertaker lost, right? They were panning the crowd, right? And you had people that realized what this moment was, or he, you know, story-wise, who, who knows if he's retired or not? We, I won't get into that, but you know what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. There are enough marks in there to realize, oh, crap, he's taking a boot off. Oh, shit, he's going for his second one. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was a lot of emotion on, on some of these people's faces. Yeah. When he when Black came back out, he should have not, not just hit Cody, but he should have wrecked him. I mean, to the point Cody is left in blood. Right, because we all know AEW does funny stuff after the cut, cameras cut. Right, mm -hmm. yeah. So if Cody gets up and does his little monologue afterwards, I don't care. Right, but to me, story wise, you just have him wreck him. Right. To where, and then take his boot and say, Cody, you're going to retire when I tell you you can retire, but not till then. Don't give him the opportunity to, to leave the boot in there. I know, like, after it went off air, he threw the other boot into the crowd or some crap like that. But you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, for the smart marks. No, he's not retired until I say he retires. You know? Oh, crap. He, God, so is he retired? Is he not retired? And then give Cody his due on a pay-per-view. But bleed him. I mean, there was a, there was a you probably would have brought some of them people to tears, like legit tears, if you had gone out there and bled Cody. Mm -hmm. Rob, 
with this opportunity, with this matchup between Black and Cody Rhodes, I mean, did you see this going any other direction? No, I mean, just the way, as hard-hitting as Malachi Black is and has been, you know, I've always thought from his NXT debut to now, when he kicks and when he hits, it's like he wants you to know that he was there. Right. And the way he was laying into Cody and all this stuff, I did not see where Cody. And plus, it serves no purpose for Cody to win. Mm -hmm. You know, Cody is better as the chaser. You know, I mean, unless he's the champ, like when he was the champ of Ring of Honor and going around with the belt and just talking all kinds of shit. You know, that's one thing. But when no belt, no reason, like, he is a good chaser. So, like, he will get the emotion behind. Because what they did, him talking about this whole thing about how he's had great opportunities. We've had some problems as the, you know, there's been some disagreements. But those people, the EVPs are still going to be my friends. We're still brothers. We're still family, blah, blah, blah. Like Brian said, tugging at the heartstrings just for that payoff of Aleister Black coming out going, bitch, you ain't done yet. Mm-hmm. And and now Cody gets to play that whole, just like he did with, you know, who was it? He did it with Brody. Uh, well, Brody Lee, right. And, you know, where they, Cody had to come from behind. You know, oh, and, and Kenny and all those play. you know, it's like all oh, he's he, the stories he's done where he's come from behind. The only pay, the only difference is, will will they actually let him be the one that gets the payoff instead of him taking the fall again? With with this feud, I feel like it has to be Malachi coming out to the victor. I feel like Cody should put up a valiant effort and maybe he decides to not retire yet. But I feel like at the end of it, it's still Malachi getting his hand raised. Well, I, I mean, I, I think the retirement angle is for him to take a step back. Mm-hmm. Remember, he's got the other show coming out. Right. He's got season two of Go Big and the reality show. Right. Plus, there's other programming in the works. They haven't said what. There were, Plus, his wife is having a baby. Yeah, a, a new kid at home. So you have to figure out a way for him to step back. You know, the whole retirement thing at this point in time is perfect. Um, and the crowd is behind him, right? The crowd loves Cody. So it's it's not hard to, you know, six, seven months down the road, re, you know, bring him back for something else and, the, you know, the crowd will love him again. Also just thinking about it is like when he had that stipulation that he would not challenge for the world title, right? Now, if he retires, that stipulation goes away. And then say that Malachi Black makes his way up to the world title picture. Who comes in to unseat him but Cody? I feel like with with the stipulations that that Cody 
wasn't the challenge for the title, I felt like that should have just started and stopped with Jericho as champion. I felt like that was something that when Mox won, it should have just been a matter of, well, I'm not Jericho, I'll take on anybody kind of thing. Yeah, but again, though, you, you said it earlier with the way certain people, um, you know, bring up the fact that Cody is beaten, right, Ooh, right, right. Lance Archer and all that. But so if you put a title on him, right, especially after he said, I'll never, I'll never fight for it again, then, oh, it's Cody using his, his power to do this. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, I I mean, I don't – Cody is a good enough talent. He doesn't necessarily need that world title. And maybe he gets an impact world title or AAA or, you know, one of the other titles. And it's not technically an AEW title. But, you know, I just – I don't think he needs it to, to be Cody. Well, I mean, with with this type of storyline, I mean, retirement, I don't think is, uh, I, I mean, maybe he does it. Maybe he actually will eventually, but I, I don't think that was the goal. I think the goal was to 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 make it look like, you know, he was going to tease it and then to give him a reason to come back when he ultimately does. You know, Malachi continues to celebrate that he ran him out, something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, yeah, but I think I think he just needs time off, mm-hmm. and this was just a clever, yeah, you know, the clever the clever way they picked. Because apparently, uh, from what I read, Black had some like little tidbits to throw into this, and they were like, "Yeah, that works. Let's you know, let's do that." Mm-hmm. So, so what reality show was he filming? Uh. What is it, Cody on top or some crazy road or something? I don't, him, I don't know. Him and, uh, him and Brandy, Brandy did one. Are doing one. It's kind oh, of like the Miz same thing as uh, Real Housewives or whatever. Yeah. Like or Miz, Miz and, Mrs. and Mrs. or something? Yeah. Every time I watch Miz and Mrs., every time I see it, I just like, whose money pays for that house is what I want to know. Holy shit. Um... That could be a good question. I would think that the Miz's money does, but maybe maybe Maurice has something else going on. I mean, well, she's she was, a licensed real estate agent. I didn't know that. Yeah, when she left wrestling, she she's a real estate. She was a real estate agent in L.A. That's the reason she keeps buying houses. Like on the first see couple seasons, mm-hmm. she's driving by and she remember like she's like, hey. What do you think of this house? And he's like, oh, it's a shithole. And she goes, well, I bought it today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She does like to spend some money. That's that's for sure. He's kind of a tight one. So overall, guys, uh, AEW Homecoming, their, their return to Daly's Place. Uh, let's, uh, let's, let's start with Rob. Rob, what would you, you give a final grade on this show? You mean the AEW Amphitheater? Yeah. The, I did like that terminology. The amphitheater, AEW amphitheater. I think they should keep that. Yeah, I I thought that I'd give it a solid 
B minus. Hmm. Okay. All right. Brian, what do you think? Mm, I'm not falling for your trap of grading the show as far as like it actual thing, but I thought it was another solid show. I mean, you're not falling for my trap. How's it a trap? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not giving a grade out. Next thing you know, you're... Why not? Because Tony's probably called you about contacting me and Rob, and now you're trying <laughs> to set me and Rob up so we don't go there. And... Mr. K, I would never expose you on TV like that. I just want to say on the radio. <laughs> but that just shows you how stupid Rob is, because I'll just go, yeah, a B. <laughs> a solid C minus. <laughs> yeah, uh, C minus, what the? <laughs> I, again, I think it's a solid show. There's not a lot of, you know, flash and pomp and circumstance that you get at other places. There's not yeah. the, what storylines they had. They were quick and done with and move on to the next one. Uh, the matches were good. So I, th- I, I thought it was another solid out. I would say that uh, I agree with you there. What I did like about this was that they didn't go with the we got to do debuts. We got to do surprises. I like that they treated this like this is what you can expect on Dynamite, period. Like mm. they stuck to a specific formula. They kept their stories carrying forward, and it made for a better show. Um, Last week wouldn't have been the show for the surprise anyway. It should be this Wednesday. This is in Pittsburgh. They got two hours. Yeah. And then next week is in. Next week is the week. So this week's Pittsburgh, next week's Chicago. They got the United Yeah, but doesn't, doesn't, got... doesn't Friday start this week? Yeah, Rampage starts this week in Pittsburgh. We got one yeah. hour in Pittsburgh. So you gotta, you're going to get one there, most likely. Yeah, I think you'll get one this week, and the big ones will be next week. Oh, yeah. Chicago's or one of the getting, big ones will be next week. Chicago's getting one big one at least. Now, watch all of this be for naught, and we'll find out that uh, Punk is going back to UFC. No, I, I hope that... they do, like, an Ellsworth-type Punk. Oh, no. <laughs> or they do, a, like, they bring in somebody else and not Punk, and they debut him in, like, Albuquerque or some shit. <laughs> No, they should do like uh, like the the uh, the false nat or diesel or whatever he was called. Because <laughs> you think they could get Dwayne Gill to come oh, see a punk? <laughs> oh my God! Can you imagine that? Punk music bird. hits, music <laughs> hits. The the new the new cinematronics or whatever the the yeah. Tron kicks in and is. <laughs> Gilbert coming out with tape. <laughs> they would Chicago Punk would riot. Oh, they Chicago would, would lose riot. You'd see food, you'd see water bottles, beers getting thrown everywhere. And then I... just have them have them sit at the stage. <laughs> He's gonna do a pipe bomb. Oh my god, him sit Indian style and then not be able to get up because you know well, it's too old. And then Wardlow just walks out and steps over him and keeps going. <laughs> or steps on him and keeps going. Just oh steps by him and looks back like, what the fuck? <laughs> so oh, you tease man. him, you tease him Wednesday. And then, you know, the main event Friday is when you, 
you do it again, and then you have Punk come out and drop him. Oh, man. That... How many times can you pull on <laughs> Superman's cape? <laughs> See, I've always thought it'd be fun if I had, if I was in charge of the music, yeah. you know, at these places. Like, I'd love to, like, when, when you know your commercial, but the, the, the audience doesn't know, mm-hmm. you know, that's when you hit the, 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 ring, the, the music for somebody that you know is not there. You know, like I used to talk about it when we'd go to WWE shows back in the day. I'd be like, man, wouldn't it be cool if they just hit the all real American right now? Everybody in this place would go nuts. Or anytime the glass would break, you break the glass in the middle of something and be like, oh. be like, he ain't here, dumbass. You know, like, yeah. so they just start that, you know, cult of personality and he just, everybody just loses their mind and then it just yep. stops. Comes out in the hoodie, the zip-up hoodie. Oh, no. <laughs> so I know that we, we're in the next couple of weeks, we're going to have a lot of news unfolding in a very quick pace. Um, what will probably happen while we cover that is we will devote kind of like what we've been doing. We'll do half the time for our topic and then half the time for the breaking news. As one runs over the other, we'll, we'll do the best we've got to do. Man, we forgot the week. topic. I know. We, that I mean, was we, supposed to be a good one. Uh, you know what? I mean, that's the way thing. to go, Stan. Uh, this is all your fault. But here's the thing: like for the past few weeks, we've had so much to cover. Um, we didn't have to cover all of AEW. Uh, you know what, though? I wanted to make sure we gave them their gave their homecoming a nice little review. I felt like it. Was oh my good. god! I can't believe you trying to sell out to the man. Well, what I'll say this. Mr. How about K. to close out the show? To close out the show, you each, everybody come up with one match. Dream nope. up. It's too late for all that. I got to go to bed. <laughs> Brian says no. Hey, six o'clock in the morning comes fast, gentlemen. That's right. I'm on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> Rob's like, let's keep it going. <laughs> But tell them, tell them, Rob, tell them what the, the topic is for next week, then. Yeah. But yeah they we'll get, make, give them something to look forward for to. Next week. Yeah, that's what we'll do. Yeah, yeah. Let me, hold on. Pull up Microsoft oh. Word. Stan, oh my take goodness gracious. Well, hey, otherwise I'll have to listen or, or remember, and yeah, that won't work. Go ahead, Rob. What's the question so I can put this on paper? Well, we're, it's the dream booking. Dream booking, Okay. In any era, any promotion, come up with your top five that you would love to see. Would have loved to have seen. Like dream matches. <laughs> yep. Five's mm, a little much. Can we just do like maybe four? How about eight? <laughs> That's the other direction. Right? Seven. <laughs> seven. <laughs> like seven. Seven minute abs. <laughs> You're fired. <laughs> Let's do top three. Seven-minute toilet squats. No. Um, <laughs> top three. All right, top three. Top three, any era, any promotion, dream matches. Got and it. then the other two got to book them. Okay. That actually sounds good. So we pick them, and then the other two books them. Yeah. Got it. Or one or the other two. Doesn't have to do, doesn't okay. have to do both. One or the other two books them. Got it. 
the finish, not the whole match. Jesus Christ, we'd be there all night. <laughs> and then after the moonsault. <laughs> well, it's like it's like I finally watched the 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 Randy Savage biography, and uh-huh. that just reminded me of uh, Ricky Steamboat talking about him and Randy Savage's match. He's like, we had like sixty nine moves in this thing. <laughs> We're only on page one. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Well. Thank you again for listening to all of our wonderful musings. On You're welcome. You can catch up with Rob on Twitter at Rob Hefner C2C. Catch up with Brian at Blackpool C2C. And catch up with me at Stan Grove everywhere. Uh, C2C radio show for the show. C2C radio show.com. And corner to corner at inst- on the Instagram. We'll catch and New Attitude Media. And NewAttitudeMedia.com. Thank you very much, Rob. We will see you next time. Same time, same channel. Calling for you, Mr. TK. Calling for you. Call me. Have a great night, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 